it's one of the most heartbreaking things for a couple to go through, and that is the discovery that um, one of them has been struggling with pornography. And if you or someone you know is facing that very situation, this episode of the show is going to give you some hope. I'm John Fuller, joined by my focus colleagues, Aaron and Greg Smalley. And Greg, um, both of you work with couples. You've heard from so many about this kind of a struggle. What are some of the commonalities of that? I think instantly someone can feel very unsafe, very insecure in the relationship. They may feel betrayed, like in, you know, in, in ways that, you know, you've, you've betrayed the fidelity that, that I have expected. I think there's a suspiciousness that can happen like, okay, if now I just found this out or you didn't even mean to tell me, but I found out what else is going on. So I think it makes them doubt some of the things that they were trusting in, believing in, counting on. Hmm. I think that someone can feel instantly not good enough. What, what is it about me? Am I not pretty enough, good enough? Like, like what is it about me that would cause you to go look at pornography? Um, can be angry, especially at the secrecy, the lies maybe that's been happening. And yeah. there can be a just a, a general sense of, a, of helplessness or hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Well, that, uh, that sense of disconnection and those emotions that Greg just shared are all too common. And let's go ahead and turn now to a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Rosie McKinney. Uh, She's got a ministry called Fight for Love, and uh, she described here some of the negative ways that porn impacts a marriage. You relate in the book, uh, people addicted to pornography are similar to head trauma patients. Describe that Mm -hmm. analogy, because that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, this is interesting in the fact that there's a condition called hypofrontality that you get in two ways. You get it from heavy porn use or a head-on collision. And this basically impacts the functionality of your prefrontal cortex, which is your decision-making part of your brain it helps you weigh consequences and make good decisions okay it also shrinks your gray matter literally shrinks your gray matter so you know wives often say to me he knows i hate this you know how can he keep doing this it's damaging our relationship it's breaking my heart it's ripping the family apart why why can't he stop and the point is his brain has been hijacked in so many ways Like he's no longer able to feel happy. He needs his drug. His drug is no longer effective. And he's got this condition where his brain is no longer connecting very well in the decision-making part. Mm. And uh, he's not able to reach out because he can't override the cravings. And the cravings are coming because the brain has now been sensitized to all these pornographic cues out there that go, oh, pornographic cue. Oh, that's highly pleasurable. Oh, I need to do that. Decision-making part of my brain is no longer functioning it is literally a spiral yeah and i say all this not to terrify women and make them feel hopeless but to make them understand that waiting for your guy to reach out for help is probably not a good strategy right and that's my whole point however there are two people in the marriage when two become one okay you are the functioning part of the brain now Okay, what is affecting him is affecting you. It's not just his problem, it's your problem. And you can effect change. You can be the catalyst. You can draw a firm line in the sand and reach down and grab him out of the swamp because he can't do it. Rosie, let's get into your story because I think it'll be very instructive for the listeners, the viewers. Um, You and Mark met 
uh, describe that and then what took place rather quickly, even on your honeymoon, that gave you concern? So I, when I met Mark, um, I had already, prior to becoming a Christian, prior to meeting Mark, I had already been in a long-term relationship with an unrepentant porn addict. So I'd already done this journey and I knew that nothing I did was going to work. So I had that experience. So I met Mark, lovely Mark, um, and he um, confesses that this has been a problem in the past. And in my naivety, I'm like, he's confessed. He said he's worked on this in the past. He doesn't want this. Mm. I've got one of the good guys. You know, this is not going to be an issue. You know, we're going to get married and everything is going to be fine. And then from the honeymoon onwards, it's very clear that this is not mm. going to be okay. And something rose up in me and went, no, I'm not doing this again. I know that there is nothing I can do that mm. is going to make this better. He needs help. He needs help. And so I said to him, I, I love you and I love us too much, but you need help because you can have pornography or you can have me, but you cannot have both. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I was able to do that, not because I had great self-esteem or that I knew what I was talking about, I didn't know any of the brain chemistry and that that was the right thing to do. It was only because I'd had the prior experience. Yeah, and then in your situation, Mark responded well. He wanted to get help, I believe. Yeah. So that was a good response. Not everybody will get yeah. that response. So yeah. again, speak to your experience of how uh, favorably Mark responded and then maybe contrast that with other women that you've counseled where their husbands have said hey it's not my problem it's your problem yeah. I mean something oh totally and even though he responded well he wasn't happy about it mm. and he was still in crazy addict brain and it was really hard it's really 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 hard to stand firm yeah and that is why you need to be educated, you need support, you need people around you to validate the trauma that you're going through and have been through um, in order for you to stand firm. Yeah. I mean, that is the whole, the whole biblical thing, isn't it? Just stand, stand. I so appreciate what Rosie was describing as uh, she said she was not going to tolerate what Mark was doing. And so, Aaron, you work with couples all the time. What are some common mistakes you've seen wives make when their husband's uh, porn addiction comes to light? Mm -hmm. Sometimes what I see is that women, wives, will personalize their husband's porn use as their fault. Mm -hmm. That I've done something that I, you know, we didn't have enough intimacy, that I'm not enough, that I'm not pretty enough, that I'm not good enough. And of course, that's a common response, but it is not true. The choices that a spouse makes is in his yard and recognizing that. The other thing that can sometimes come up is that I forgive too fast and, you know, kind of deny that this is going to impact our marriage or that this is an issue that needs to be addressed because it does. I had a couple years back that they moved really quickly through it. They went to an intensive. They did real well. But then like six months later, they bottomed out because they had gone so fast through the recovery process mm -hmm. that they never really dug in to see what was going on. Why was the husband pursuing 
um, pornography use. And just on a side note, there are also women that are utilizing porn as well. And just specifically here, we're talking about a husband right. um, revealing this in the marriage. Or maybe it's that she comes across as so harsh and shaming when he does share that this is an issue that it shuts it down. Mm-hmm. And then there's no more conversation. I will say, John, that there is not a marriage that I work with in my office that has not been impacted. And that just tells me that the enemy is all over it because pornography comes to light. And, you know, whether it's the husband or the wife learning about this, it impacts and it causes disconnection. And Mm -hmm. so what I encourage couples to do is to have an open conversation from the very beginning. And if you haven't, it's never too late to start. Have that conversation of, hey, how are we each coping in unhealthy ways? pornography, or maybe it's alcohol, or maybe it's, you know, withdrawing. What are we doing? You know, is it gaming or TV? Is it food? So it's just evaluating how are we each coping with the stressors in life Mm -hmm. and or with insecurities or are there addictions, full-blown addictions going on in our individual lives or within our marriage? Mm -hmm. Well, those are some good starting points. And if you can't get to that uh, kind of open, honest discussion with your spouse, then give us a call. We have caring Christian counselors here at Focus on the Family, and uh, they'd be happy to listen to you, uh, think through some some good next steps, pray with you, maybe uh, point out a resource or two. Uh, But those Christian counselors are there for you, and they're a phone call away. Our number is 800 the letter A in the word family. And then stop by the show notes. We'll have a link to the full conversation with Rosie. It's a very important topic, and it's a free download, um, and you'll find that in the notes, as well as an opportunity to donate to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. Now, when you make a monthly pledge to support the ministry, or um, if you're not in the spot to do that, you make a one-time gift of any amount, We'll say thanks for joining the support team and furthering the work of Focus on the Family by sending a copy of Rosie's book, Fight for Love. All the details uh, to get in touch and to support Focus are right there in the show notes. Next time, we'll hear from Pastor Kevin Thompson about the three roles a spouse has. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.